Hello and welcome to the Vorthos Cast. I'm Jay Anelli, and I didn't get to go to Pax Unplugged this weekend. I'm Brian Dawes, and I also did not get to go to Pax Unplugged this weekend. I'm Ashley Barrow, and I also did not go to Pax Unplugged. I'm Lorelai Weissel, and I did go to Pax Unplugged, so if I yeah. saw you there, Ooh. anyone who listens, hey, it was... Jay had promised to go to PAX and backed out, and then Carrie was going to go, and then they died, so they couldn't go. (laughs) So I was the only one left, so I was there. We're recording this before I actually go, so I I assume I had a good time. So hopefully that holds up. It looks super fun. Uh, Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Wait, Carrie was going to go? Yeah. Man? Yeah. Me, Carrie, and Lorelai were all going to go at one point. I don't and, care about you uh, guys. I just want to see Carrie. D- oh, Oof. <laughs> anyway, if you're one of our patrons and you got to meet Lorelai this weekend, I hope you had an extra good time. And if you're not one of our patrons, I hope Lorelai didn't give you the time of day. Uh, no, no, I don't mean that. <laughs> If you're not one of our patrons, you can always sign up on Patreon at patreon.com slash thevorthoscast. We have two tiers for everybody, and we are currently workshopping a third tier for some special stuff, so keep an eye out for that. We've got some cool ideas. I'm very excited for the the future of our Patreon experience for all y'all listeners out there. So let's talk about news this past week. So the one big bit of news is our good friend Mike Linneman posted over at Cool Stuff Inc. a article about an artist boycott. Yeah, so if you've been following the general Vorthos zeitgeist for the past year, you may have noticed a topic that kind of undulated in and out of discussion which was artist compensation at grand prix events going to be called magic fests next year it's still a dumb name um artists don't get paid to be at grand prix they get a free table and then they can buy some more table space they don't always get hotel help Sometimes it's just a reserve block to ensure they have a room that they still have to pay for themselves. They don't really have a structured block of time for them to, like, go get lunch and have someone watch their booth. A lot of artists are kind of fed up with that treatment and are boycotting attending future Magic Fest events next year until Channel Fireball starts treating them more like guests of honor instead of vendors because they're not really vendors. Artist business is painting or illustrating art for magic, not selling their wares at Grand Prix. The other problem is Channel Fireball uses the artists who are going to be attending a GP as part of the promotion for the GP without compensating the artists. So there's a number of magic artists who have signed this boycott. I think it's almost 30 at this point. Yeah, there there have been more every day kind of joining as, as the artist community discusses this among themselves. And so if Channel Fireball wants artists showing up to its GPs to enhance the GP experience and be something they can market, they need to start treating them 
that way, both structurally and financially. The other problem is that nobody has any idea what Magic Fest events are supposed to be. Are they tournaments? Or are they, like, sci-fi fantasy conventions? Because those two things are run very differently. And right now, Channel Fireball is running them like tournaments while trying to brand and market them as conventions. And they're not conventions. If you want artists to continue doing good work for Magic and continue engaging with community and, like, doing things like signing cards and selling prints and all the other cool stuff that goes along with having artists at GPs, which is a huge draw for a lot of people who wouldn't go to GPs if artists weren't there. Help support the boycott. Help support artists and tip them, please. Most artists go to Grand Prix events at a loss. As a young freelance artist, I'm totally on the artist side, um, even if it's not a monetary loss for these. And I don't know all the backstage stuff, but I'm going to assume that it is. It's also a huge time loss, which when you are a freelance artist, that that is a big deal because that is time that you could be working. Also, as someone who has gone to sci-fi conventions since middle school, I want it to be run like a sci-fi convention. Those are fun and would get me traveling farther to go to GPs because right now I would only I only go to local ones. And there's something to be said for the fact that if we want them to be conventions, maybe Channel Fireball should broach the idea of maybe it's worth it just to charge a basic cover fee for people to get in. I know a lot of people won't like this idea, but Grand Prix are, they're getting to the point where they're, they are many conventions. And even if it's not something exorbitant, like something like Dragon Con or SDCC or something like that, maybe $5 to somebody entering and they get a promo, like Wizards can do something to help this. And you get something for showing up, but something that's relatively cheap. It doesn't have to be like the Grand Prix promo. It can be like some random rare or uncommon or common that's playable in some eternal format. I could I could see myself paying that amount to go to a GP to hang out or, or go to a vendor to get vendor prices or something like that. If the artist can get something out of it and continue engaging with the community. And heck, I I think one thing I want to mention there is if they charge that over if they charge that overhead or that entrance fee, just block off some casual play space because all the people who are going to hang out with friends or to play between rounds are constantly getting kicked out of wherever they happen to sit down to play. I think a lot of us who go for the more social interactions would be perfectly fine with a $5 fee if we had a reserved space mm-hmm. and didn't get kicked every five every you know hour. You know what conventions have that a GP doesn't have and you know and conventions charge and why I'm fine for it is that conventions have other events going on like they've got guest speakers and panels and they've got photo ops and other stuff that I would love to have at like a magic convention. Have you done like an artist's alley at a convention? Mhm. Yes, it was very expensive. Yeah, so... It was so much work. So I have a lot of friends who are illustrators, and it is, you know, you... Even if you're not laying out for the table, you're laying out for, like, three to four nights of hotel stay. You're laying out for, like, three meals a day plus snacks. You're laying out for the prep of all the materials. So maybe some artists can show up and just do commissions all day long, but... A lot of people, they got to show up with prints and other swag, so they've got to put all the all the money into that. And not everyone knows how expensive printing is. Right. And then there's travel to and from. So that's 
at least an extra day. And don't forget the loss of a whole weekend. Right. So if you're if you're talking Thursday through Sunday, you've just lost four potential work days for, you know, all the other commissions that are actually paying the bills. And that's the loss of all those four days. Hopefully you break even. It's not really feasible. Yeah, that's why I stopped doing um and I'm just you'll know I'm I'm twenty three, so I'm really small time. Um, but even doing small-time cons, I have never not lost money even selling stuff all day, just from how expensive it is. Yeah. So that's why I don't do it anymore, because, you know, I'm not doing magic art, so I imagine they make a little more money than I do, but, like, I know from experience, even if you are making money, it's, like, it's it's really a big time and money investment. For real. So one last thing that you mentioned, Brian, was having a unique gp promo just a general thing there is a convention promo this year labeled specifically as a convention promo it's death baron which was reprinted in core 2019 they gave them out at gp vegas earlier this year so that is actually a style of promo that wizards has already printed that idea isn't that far-fetched because it's literally already happening so speaking of these tournaments as conventions, let's talk about SCG Con. I made fun of SCG a lot <laughs> earlier this year because their convention was basically just a glorified tournament. But this year they have definitely made strides. One of the things I really like is they have a variant cover of Chandra Number no. 1 by Victor Adama Minguez. It looks amazing. It's fantastic. Victor's one of my favorite magic artists. There's there's a certain elf that I think people might be interested in seeing mm-hmm. on that cover too. I might have made myself seem like I'm such a hater from how much I didn't like the last cover we talked about, so I will clear the record here and say I love this cover and I don't have any complaints about it yet. It's it's gorgeous. It's definitely the caliber of cover I'd like to see on these in the old IDW comics. A lot of the covers were done by magic artists who the covers doubled as promo art. So seeing magic artists doing these covers again, they know the characters, they want to do these cooler compositions. I like, I like seeing this kind of thing. So that's very cool. And by the way, that elf Lorelai was talking about is uh, Nissa. Nissa is on the cover along with Jace, Liliana, and what looks to be Gideon in what appears to be a Ravnica background. So we'll see. This upcoming Friday is the release of Ultimate Masters. And while we were off for American Thanksgiving, which was absolutely delicious, I stuffed my face so much. We have this week to talk about the remaining flavor gems from Ultimate Masters. So we're just going to jump right in and do that. So the first one is one I claimed here. It is Sigil of the New Dawn. This was originally like an Odyssey or Onslaught era card. I don't remember which it was. Onslaught block. Onslaught block, thank you. And it 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 didn't have a lot of flavorful implication there, you know. It it was just they had a couple I think they had like a cycle of sigil cards, and that was about it. What I really like about this is this new one is set on band. First of all, the composition is great because the new dawn is a sigil with a cutout, and the cutout is framed uh, right in front of the dawn. So 
as they're holding the sigil up, they're holding it up to the horizon with the sun in the background of the sigil, and it looks really cool. You can tell it's Bant because Seaside Citadel is in the back left corner of this piece. And I just really love when they reflavor cards like this because it fits so perfectly into Bant that if you put this card next to all the Bant sigils that have been printed already, you would never know it wasn't originally made for Alara. Yeah, this is also really fancy, awesome, iconic art by Vulcan Baga, who you might know from pretty much all the new Moxen art. And this is actually very similar to that, but there's no hands, so it, you know it's not a Moxen. The next card is the Bane of My Existence. It is new Donato art, so hooray for that, but damn it, foil. Bump down to common. I know pauper fans are losing their minds because he can foil and gush and do gross things, but it's a stupid Voldalian merfolk casting a spell. Yeah, I hate it so much. It's so good, though. There's like these concentric circles, which is probably a reference to the moon dogs that are around Dominaria's uh, natural satellite, natural moon. The That's the symbol of Svelun, who is their goddess. So this is probably depicting a religious or military leader in the Vodalian ranks. That class is called the Pearl Tridents. So Merfolk and Master of the Pearl Trident are, are a reference to the religious guard of the Vodalians. They suck, but it's excellent art by Donato. Donato has another piece. Also, Iridescent Drake has, has new art by Donato. and uh, We're getting new art by Donato, which is crazy in 2018. It's awesome. If you love art, it's very exciting. If you love art and love some newer magic artists, another fan favorite card, Frantic Search, has new art. This piece by Mitchell Malloy. Mitchell has a lot of intimate knowledge of magic history, and this piece depicts a student at Tolaria West frantically searching through their dorm room filled with books and objects and whatnot. Hidden in this piece are 13 Easter eggs to previous magic art, which I identified and talked with Mitchell about and made a whole thread that we will link to. And so the 13 objects that are in Frantic Search, first my personal, one of my favorite cards in magic, Sarpedian Empires Volume 7, Book of Rass. Cogworkers Puzzle Knot, Decoction Module, Icy Manipulator, Spellbook, Sensei's Divining Top, Ether Vial, a reference to the original art on Frantic Search, The Grimoire of the Dead, Charm School from Unglued, Walking Archive, Artificer's Assistant. That's 13 pieces of magic art. So if, if you want to test for yourself and look at the art and see if you can find all 13, go for it. If not, like I said, we're going to link my thread and I've 
highlighted where all 13 of those pieces actually appear in the art. It's so cool. I love that Mitchell did that. Totally unplanned from the art description. Kelly Diggs wrote the description and just said, Talaria West. And Mitchell said, haha, Easter eggs. So that's always cool. Another fan favorite card that got new art is Unstable Mutation. It's a powerful aura from the beginning of the game, but this piece is neat because this hulking brute's arm has transformed into octopus tentacles, which is pretty awesome and badass and sea monstery, and I love it. Merit Lage. It's not Merit Lage, but it is art by Slavoir Maniac, so Merit that's Lage. pretty cool. It's not Merit Lage. It's never Merit Lage. So Magic Twitter says it's Merit Lage. Yeah. The magic Twitter is wrong, and and I called them out on it, and Jay called them out on it. Thank you, magic community team, to whoever runs the Twitter account for making that tweet last week. We appreciate that at least one person inside Wizards finds our It's Never Merit Lage catchphrase amusing enough to put in your tweet about the tokens of this set. That was cute. Thank you. <laughs> A card no one expected to get new art was Awful Snout an evoke elemental from Lauren block. And it's just the cutest damned thing ever. The elementals of Lorwyn are these composites of animals. And this one has a pig head with a bunch of stalked, like snail eyes, some scrabbly spider legs, and like this big hulking grub body. And it's, it's roaring and drooling and digging for truffles and stuff. And, it's so cute. I love it. It looks like if a, if a beholder and a centipede had a little baby. Yeah, it's adorable. Uh, Ashley, I know you like pigs. and Yeah, I love it. I was actually looking <laughs> at it before y'all mentioned this, and now I'm just lost in his eyes. It's so good. This is Lars Grant West who illustrated <laughs> this one. I'm, I don't know why this has new art. Like, the only reason I can think is that um, someone who was... Um, Art directing for the set said, "Hey, I think this art, this card has really a, a really funky, cute creature on it. Let's make it even better." And th that's what they did. Well, you know, a whole lot of the Lorwyn cards got new art that I wouldn't have expected. Yeah, that's true. Which is awesome because I love anything on Lorwyn. Has one of my favorite looks because I love, I love the fairy tale look and also the weirdness of little creatures like this the next new art is on spoils of the vault which originally is from mirrodin and features some nim in the mephidros this new art is kind of kaladeshi which is what the gut instinct was when we looked at the helmet that this corpse is holding it's very intricate gold filigree which is fitting with the kaladesh style but if you look at the rest of the card, the corpse isn't wearing Kaladeshi clothing. If they were, there would be more intricate metalwork in their garb. If you look at the door in the stairwell, in the background, it's just kind of a generic European-style door. None of the environment is Kaladeshi. It would be more ornate. So, it's still, the helmet here evokes that fancy treasure intricacy but this is very clearly not Kaladesh and 
is probably just a generic plain art description. If it was intended to be Kaladesh, it would have been very obvious that it is Kaladesh. So, for example, Sigil the New Dawn is very clearly set on Bant. That was probably in the art description, and probably intentionally written in a way to have the Seaside Citadel or some other direct reference to Bant landscape or architecture or iconography in that piece. So, Spoils of the Vault isn't actually anything specific, even though it might, part of it looks like it might be. I just wanted to call this one out because not all new art is some cute reference to another plane. Some new art is just generic, neat-looking art. And speaking of cards getting new art for non-plane-specific worlds, Lava Spike, the arcane burn spell from Kamigawa, got reprinted. This time actually showing a spike of cooling lava. It's so punny! And yes, this card also has new flavor text, which reads, It's not the most subtle incantation, but it gets the point across. Yes. Get it? Because it's a spike that is pointy and is stabbing this person in the face. It's great. It's so punny. Puns are great. I love puns. <laughs> so the next card we want to talk about is Gamble, which features a fan favorite goblin from the Plain of Ixalan. That character is Breaches, the gunner of the belligerent. Breaches is known for debt and ale and, and cards uh, as his, his motto, a very millennial uh, relevant character. So this new card features an Ixalan goblin, which uh, we assume because of the flavor text is Breaches, uh, digging through some treasure. And the quote is stuff and sundries and munitions, which is a reference to... Stuff and sundries and munitions! Which is a reference to his uh, character in the in the story. It's it's funny. I like it. I like Gamble. I also like that the, <laughs> that the release notes note that with Gamble, you might end up discarding the card you searched for because it's a Gamble. The, the, the release notes, um, Eli has been doing a fantastic job with those and... Um, after Matt Tabak's reign as rules manager, it was hard to think that someone would bring as much sass as he did, and Eli has just continued the trend. They are both phenomenal people. Um, I'm, I'm so glad to see that the really dry parts of magic are... Um, enlivened so much by uh, their senses of humor over the years. <laughs> so the next card we want to talk about is Seismic Assault. So some quick background on this card. The original version was the Weatherlight fleeing from the Flowstone on Wrath. The Flowstone was kind of this liquidy stone. It could be pure stone one at one point but then like shift and transform and it was almost like it had a, a mind of its own and the Evan Carr of Wrath was the person most able to control it. So the original featured the weather light and peril that way. There was a updated art for the core sets that was just kind of a generic lava fist in the air. But the newest art is a lot of fun because it references the original art with the weather light again, but this time it's the modern weather light, which 
if you're looking at the design, you can tell that. Uh, it's This is a really great use of the Weatherlight's 3D model to make that new Weatherlight look very consistent at every angle, because this isn't an angle we've seen the new one at yet. But the flavor text says, In a war for survival, Dominaria itself became the weapon. The malice is gone, but the danger remains. And so it shows the Weatherlight flying through what appears to be a bunch of lava erupting out of the ground, maybe rocks and debris rocketing out and it's kind of navigating through this minefield yeah fair enough Uh, (laughs) and it's probably either shiv or bogarden because those are the two places on dominaria where you were likely to see something like this happen Uh, lots of like lava eruption i'm also amused because um Bogarden is where the Weatherlight was rebuilt, and then Shiv is where Jorah spends most of her time. So the two locations where this could be are the two most likely locations for Jorah and the Weatherlight to be anyway. So it doesn't really help us narrow it down at all. Can I add something? I think a lot of people don't know uh, that artists use 3D models in their art a lot, either directly in the art or for reference and it lets you do cool stuff like drawing a ship from different angles um either you know done created a digital model or a lot of artists actually used to like lego and toys um and so i love anytime you know the behind the scenes stuff like that because i also do that i use lego it helps a lot and you get to do cool stuff like spaceships yeah this is a piece by adam paquette um like Jay said, there is an existing 3D model that they of the of the Weatherlight that they built for Dominaria, which artists have access to. Um, Noah Bradley has notably been using a lot of 3D model in his recent work. Um, his invoke or his Kaladesh invention piece of Cloudstone Curio was the I, th- I believe the first where he utilized 3D modeling. And artists have been using 3D uh, references of things uh, since before computer 3D models when um, a physical little creation of the 2D picture, like if they make it or sculpt it, that is called a maquette, your word of the day. Um, And tons of magic artists do that and it is very cool when you can see the actual maquette that they make. And that makes me very excited as an art nerd. The next card with new art is Golgari Grave Troll because they reprinted basically the entire modern dredge deck and legacy dredge deck. Like, if you want to get into dredge, this is a set for you. But Grave Troll is here, and I only wanted to highlight it because this card is not a zombie, as most graveyard-affiliated cards tend to be. It is a mono-green skeleton. Troll. Well, yes, it is a troll, but it is a troll skeleton. And not a zombie. Not a troll zombie. And it's kind of hard to tell in the original art, but this new art makes it very clear that it's a sack of bones with some plants growing in it. So there's no mistaking that it is not a zombie. And I appreciate that, because if you're going to update a card, art on a card like this, make it clear what creatures types it is. The next card with new art is Kodama's Reach which, despite being a sorcery, is illustrated by noted landscape artist John Avon, who has been illustrating lands in magic forever. He's predominantly a landscape artist. 
for magic, and that's pretty fitting for this piece. Kodama is a forest kami on Kamigawa, so you see his big arm reaching out of the forest, but his arm itself, if you look closely, is covered with a bunch of scale trees. It's a gigantic arm. The kami are frighteningly big and powerful, often. I hate it when you're playing um, Commander with someone and you draw lands and you're like, but I feel like John Avon. And they're like, what? Because I'm drawing lands. And they're like, I don't get it. <laughs> Speaking of neat references for magic art, Verdant Eidolon is reprinted with new art from the unstoppable Howard Lyon. And the creature art for this card is modeled on his wife. So that's very wholesome and very nice and touching. You know, you know, artists use models all the time. It's always sweet when it's their spouse or their mom or their dog. You know how everyone was worried that the box toppers revealed the spicy cards in the set? And then the first day of previews happened and people were like, oh my god, Ultimate Masters actually looks amazing. It's a shame that the day two of previews is not going to have anything good left. And then day two of previews came around and people were like, oh my god, Ultimate Masters is amazing. This sucks when we get the full spoiler tomorrow and there's like no more good cards left. And then the full spoiler comes out and nobody told us that Seb McKinnon had new art in this set. Art for Vengeful Rebirth. Holy crap. Seb is just unchained here so the card returns a card from your graveyard to your hand and then if it's a non-land it deals damage equal to its cmc to something so how like so kelly diggs had a thread about this which we will include he wasn't sure how this piece was supposed to look so he he put forth an idea and said like look seb you're amazing. You know what you're doing. Here's my idea. Let's iterate. Do some sketches. If you think there's something that works better, go for it. So Seb did and crushed it. And you have this woman growing from this skull and like it's vines and then flowers and everything is mirrored and but also reversed and it deals damage, so she has this, like, bright orange sword. And don't forget that it's a red-green card. One side is red and one side is green. Just little things like that. Like, the simple things like that make me very, very happy. Everyone's favorite little hexproof creature, or least favorite if you happen to be on the other side of the Boggles deck, is Slippery Boggle, which has new art by Jesper Icing, who just... Little, weird, whimsical fairy tale stuff is his jam. He also has the new Bitter Blossom art that we talked about in an older episode. Um, Boggle here swelling a fish because it's a little swamp creature. But what I really wanted to highlight is the flavor text here, which is also new. And this, you know, you know, very near and dear to our hearts on this podcast is pronouncing fantasy words. Um, <laughs> and and this, this hey, card no. has a long history of people not knowing if it's pronounced Boggle or Bogle. So we have flavor text that makes fun of that. So it says Ogle the Boggle or 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 Ogle the Bogle or Goggle the Boggle. Doesn't <laughs> matter. You weren't going to catch it anyway. Which is both a reference to its weirdly spelled and pronounced name and the fact that it has hexproof. And that's just adorable. 
It's so good. I love when a good card comes together. So the next card is Phyrexian Altar. And I really love this card because it's like a reference of a reference at this point. Where this this one's deep. So if you remember in our Flavor Gems of Dominaria way back in our very, very early episodes, we talked about Phyrexian Scriptures, the saga. Well, you remember Phyrexian Scriptures was the side of a Phyrexian altar, and it had in Phyrexian the flavor text for the original Dark Ritual, which is where the name Phyrexian Scriptures came from. This new card is the same altar. It is kind of hard to see, but if you look in the middle of the table, you can see the same design that is in the Saga artwork, and you can even see the curved things at the bottom. Uh, So I thought that was just very, very cool that the Phyrexian altar is the Phyrexian scriptures, dark ritual. It's, It's playing off that same reference line. I really want to feel the floor. <laughs> I want to touch it. Doesn't it look like it would feel very satisfying? Yeah, the texturing on this is very nice. It's very Geiger-esque, which is typical of Phyrexian design. I always rank art on how much I want to eat it, and this is pretty high up on the, how much I want to eat it. Speaking of edible, the next card we want to talk about is an Eldrazi. Ulamog's Crusher Yay. is reprinted with new art by Lucas Graciano. It's cool, buff, muscular, strong Eldrazi art, as they tend to be. This is one of the big 8-8 Annihilator ones from Rise of the Eldrazi before they really proliferated and got smaller in the return set. But this has new flavor text. A quote from Nirthu Lone Missionary. Ulamog is dead and his brood is dying. Some of them just don't know it yet. No. I know, it's very sad. I don't like yes. that. Don't like that. But I love... He was so young. Well, he was actually older than time itself, what? so... <laughs> uh, not that young. Still. Um, but, but, but I love that this is just a, a look at Zendikar after Oath of the Gatewatch. So just getting that little look that... Yes, the Titans are dead, but that doesn't mean their brood dies immediately, which is also super weird because the brood is part of the Titan. The Eldrazi just are weird. I'd love to think about the implications of that, that um, are they like free thinking now or are they just like continuing the consciousness? I mean, my stomach bacteria, my, my uh, digestive tract bacteria would continue to live after I died. Yes, but but they are not part of your consciousness and they are not part of your corporal body. If they are, that's weird. The Eldrazi are one being in multiple forms. It's, sure, it's bizarre. I'm just saying it might work like that. Because, like, do, if you're going off the thinking that if they are still, like, continuing Ulamov's collective consciousness, then could they be resurrected? And don't answer that because I know that the answer is no. But this is stuff I like to think about. Ugin was not sure that they were, like, done-done. I don't want them to be. We'll, we'll see. So, Phyrexian Tower is a very cool-looking card here that I like to think 
has a very cool flavor implication. So bear with me here for a second. Lorelai's going to yell at me. I absolutely am. But Phyrexian Tower is not set on Phyrexia. Phyrexia isn't known for its trees, which are very clearly in the image here. This is in something set on Urborg. Everything in the art points to that. On Urborg, we know that the Predator crashed. And based on the full Dominaria key art, we see the crashed Predator in the background kind of split in half. The backside is going at a 45 degree angle. The prow of the ship is facing almost straight up. Now, if you look at the Phyrexian Tower art, it kind of looks like it might be that straight up portion of the Predator. So in my mind, I like to think that this isn't just some random Phyrexian Tower, but this is a crashed piece of the Predator that has ended up looking like a tower and the people of Dominaria have forgotten what its original use was and have used it as a tower or monsters have used it as a tower, whatever. And that is why it's legendary rather than it being some random tower. All right, Lorelai, go for it. Okay, but did you read the new flavor text quote from Karn? Yogmoth is dead and his citadels lie empty, but there will always be some who seek power at any price. If it's his citadel, it ain't a tower anywhere on Dominaria. The Frexians were not there long enough to build new towers. It's clearly not the Frexian tower from Frexia. It's not anything from Wrath. It's not the Predator. Predator, like, exploded and crashed, and we saw its wreckage in that key art and was never referenced anywhere in Dominaria, which it probably would have been because that set was chock full of references. I think it's baloney. So what is it, then? It's just a reimagining of some tower on Frexia, possibly on another Frexian plane. This could be Elspeth's homeworld. Who knows? Hmm. I don't like that. That one's boring. It's up to you, listeners, to decide where this tower is from. It obviously takes from the Predator's forms. I don't think it looks too much like the ship, though. No, I don't think so either. But the Predator would also have been crashed for almost 400 years at this point. So I figured it's, like, grown over, you know, pieces have fallen off. I just like it as a cool, flavorful idea better than it just being some random Phyrexian tower somewhere that happens to be in a place with trees. I think it works a little better. And it definitely looks like Urborg. Well, I I think it goes with the same problem we talked about with Urborg, Tomb of Yogmoth, which has new art, but not really believable art. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. whatever. Absolutely. More importantly, speaking of Yogmoth and Karn quotes, Squee, <sighs> Goblin Nabob has been reprinted. <laughs> I love this ca- I love this card so much. This is one of my favorite cards of all time and this new flavor text is so brilliant. So the new flavor text reads, if Yogmoth meant squeeze immortality as a curse, no one ever told Squee. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, real quick backstory, Squee was killed during the end of the around the end of the invasion. In order to show uh, Gerard that he could resurrect Gerard's love, Hannah, he resurrected uh, Yogmoth's magic, resurrected Squee. Except it took a little too well, and every time Squee was killed, he kept bouncing back to life. 
uh and so it's just this great reference to to squeed just being so resilient with this immortality despite being murdered a whole bunch of times he thinks it's a gift squeeze really dumb he's really great though he, he is he is the archetypical magic goblin he's great in my uh jaya commander deck yeah he's great in any deck where you want to discard things so like Doretti, he's really really good because Doretti wants you to discard two cards to draw two cards every turn or most turns and if you can get one of those cards back every time he just basically is uh free free card draw all right so um the last card that we wanted to mention was something noticed by our friend mike lineman did i say his last name right yes lineman like cinnamon. cinnamon all right and he noticed that in the background of Mistvale plains is a real itty bitty pieta and i hope you know what that is because i hope that you paid attention in school i did not take art history so i do not know what that is Oh, Michelangelo. Um, yeah, so that is a little bitty Michelangelo's pieta. And that is Mary holding the dead Jesus. Obviously, that is not who that is in Missville Plains, but it's a real cool thing that Mike found in the background. Yeah, this is a piece by Ralph Hornsley. Um, again, another card that I was like, why does this have new art? But it's kind of a pricey reprint, so I, I don't know what deck uses this anywhere i i am not that keyed in but like this the art's great it's really ethereal and kind of creepy um but but not shadowmore creepy like just ruined statues in a field creepy yeah the other art was for this was like almost impossible to tell what was going on it was very much it was it was not great um rare miss by rob alexander for the original art that does it for ultimate masters let's move on to our final thoughts for me i am excited to get my hands on chandra number one and see exactly what's going on with this comic for the next few months this is going to be the only kind of quote-unquote main plot line we've got going so Here's hoping, and I hope we see more variant covers by magic artists, because this Victor piece was magnifique. Lorelai? Alright. Put on your tinfoil hats, because I'm about to say some cursed things that no one should ever expect to have ever come out of my mouth. Starts with my Ojutai Soul of Winter Commander deck, which has a large snow theme in it. Obviously, he's the soul of winter. Recently, I've been thinking, I don't have an Esper deck, and Chilled to Death is a really neat kill spell from Cold Snap that kills a non-snow creature. It's very thematic. If I add black to this, can I make an Esper snow deck? And it turns out there is a commander who perfectly fits that theme, Zur the Enchanter. Zur was a crazy evil wizard, looking for immortality during the Ice Age, and had a bunch of followers and led this attack on Kjeldor and meditated out in the ice. And so I figure, that's cool. But, you know, I'm me, I'm a Vorthos. I want to trick things out with as much Vorthos stuff as possible, and I don't know a whole lot about Zer. So I went digging. Um, his wiki page does a terrible job citing 
a thing it said caught my eye. That during the Flood Age that ended the Ice Age shortly after the World Spell, a lot of his followers were admitted back into Kjeldor during the formation of the nation of New Argive. Although the statement on the wiki was a little ambiguous whether or not Zur joined them or not. It kind of implied that he came back to New Argive, and I'm like, why would you let a psycho like that back into your town after he led like a huge armed assault on your on your country? So I was like, okay, what is the reference for this? Because I need to read the primary source. Turns out the reference for that whole thing happening is a player's guide insert to one of the pre-con decks from Cold Snap. Cold Snap reprinted new art with Snowlands, so those pre-cons are expensive to buy sealed. Like 50 bucks. Oh, yeah. Um, so I wasn't just going to like go out and find one of those just to get a little bit of lore info from an insert. So I put a shout out on Twitter, said, Hey, anybody I know who has the insert from this deck that was printed like 10 years ago for the set that everyone hates, you know, if someone's got it, please shout at me. And within 20 minutes, um, one of my followers, shout out to Starch225 on Twitter, who said, Hey, you know what? Is this the thing you're looking for? And voila, there it is, the insert. And it says specifically that Zur's followers definitely went back to New Argive, but it didn't. It was kind of ambiguous whether or not Zur did, and I think implied more strongly that he did not. So, Zur never dies on screen. He's an oh, exceptionally man. powerful wizard. So, on Dominaria, that means he can live literally centuries easily by without like any super magical help. Um, but he was also a wizard on a quest for immortality. And while he may not have found that specifically, he could have come close and at least extended his life long enough to survive to modern-day Dominaria. So, me thinking, wow, Zur could still be out there. That's exciting. He's kind of a minor villain from Dominaria's history that we could ever see again. Like, that's cool. Or he could have just looked through his deck for the card Lich. A Lich actually costs four, doesn't it? It's four black, the oh, original one. I thought it was triple, I thought it was triple black. I'm pretty sure it's four. Um, no, it's getting crazier than this, Brian. You'll enjoy this. So the day I was looking through all the Zur stuff was the day I was editing our last Pull from the Deep episode. That's our special short episodes of the Vorthos cast that you can get by supporting us on our highest Patreon tier. This last episode was all about Merit Lage. And I was thinking to myself in that episode, well... Merit Lage is still frozen on Dominaria, which seems likely because we haven't heard anything from her on Dominaria since, which would probably be a big event because she's terrifying. So she's still frozen, and it's not the Ice Age anymore. She's probably frozen in one of the poles. And if there was a lot of literature in Terrassier when Jodo was doing research on her, that means she was probably somewhere um, frozen somewhere near Terrassier. Dominaria's North Continent is called the Northlands, obviously. Um, but it does have this peninsula that juts down near Terrassier 
at the time called Upper Videnth. So if Meritlage is frozen anywhere on Dominaria, somewhere in the modern remains of Upper Videnth, which now has a, a an island in the south and a kind of northwestern chunk of the peninsula that's still attached to the Northlands, that could very well be where Meritlage is frozen. And if I'm Xur, and I'm fleeing the flooding of Terrassiere and have previously liked meditating in the cold, frosty wastelands, I might head north to Upper Videnth. And if I was a little unhinged and looking for immortality and trying to extend my life and trying to find lots of power, and I came across some eldritch monster frozen in the ice that already had a cult built up around her. And she is so beautiful. And she is so beautiful. I can't believe I'm saying this, but in the future, Say it. if wizards really wanted to, I'm, I laid it out right here. You, you have a very plausible, works-in-the-canon way to have Xur be an acolyte of Merit Lage and bring them both back into Magic Story. You can't see it, but I'm dabbing right now. It's never Merit Lage, but it might be Xur. And that's my final thought. Ashley? Uh, is that your final thought? No, my final thought is that, so a few weeks ago, I said that all I wanted was to find a um, drinking horn-shaped coffee thermos. <laughs> oh, so this needs to exist. Well, I found one, and I have it, and it's in my hand right now. Um, So I've got coffee in a drinking horn skull. So happy. That's Just like thought. the Vikings drank their coffee. Just like they did. <laughs> Uh, Brian, final thoughts. I lost my final thought and your final thought. <laughs> that is the madness of Merit Lage. You're just so happy I said that, didn't aren't you? Yep. <laughs> um And and if uh y'all listeners out there are happy that I said some very crazy and controversial things at the end of this episode, which I will probably regret saying in the future, and you would like to help support the podcast so that I might say more crazy and controversial things in the future, you can visit patreon.com slash thevorthoscast and help support our show. Your donations keep us running, keep us producing new episodes every Monday, and everyone who donates can get access to our Discord server, where we have a thriving Vorthos community of people who love Magic Story and magic world building just as much as you do. We are discussing all sorts of new things. We've got potentially new story stuff coming out in December that is unattached to anything we know of. It's been teased and hinted, so if you want to get in on discussion for that in the upcoming weeks, also with the new Chandra comic, donate and support us today, and you can join us there. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.